gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Bear witness to us transition seamlessly from a conversation about brackets into serious business. Like a glove. Like a glove. Gladys Berejiklian has uh, revealed that uh, amidst the, the gradual loosening of restrictions, some dancing and singing restrictions are going to be lifted in the coming weeks. Um, now, we did see, obviously, uh, the, the, the relaxation on Friday, which you were then allowed to 50 people into your home. It was mainly... Residential. There wasn't that. There was some mention for venues, but there wasn't a whole lot going on that we'd hoped for anyway. I've mainly been looking out for dancing. Um, so yeah, you, the household gatherings change. Thirty people on a dance floor at weddings, um, and it doesn't have to be the same thirty people. So Cam, you've been to a couple of weddings yep. recently. I went to one, and and you did have to like register you, that you intended to dance. Yeah, it was a bit and there weird. Was a, there was a cap on it, so it's like if you miss the boat, yet you, you just had to sit down. <laughs> Well, yeah. I got told to get off the dance floor at one point, and I'm still not 100% certain that there were 20 people on the dance floor. I think they were just so insulted by my dancing, they told me to sit down and get off the floor. Or jealous, you know? Yeah, jealous. You, you go in there tearing up a storm, making everyone look like <laughs> bad dancers. Of course you're going to get that response. That's, yeah, that's definitely what happened. That's probably what happened. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it might also be in breach of human rights to tell someone to get off a dance floor for not a good enough reason. I'm pretty sure the UN do have protections against that. I think so. I think yeah, so. it is a human right to dance. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that were the updates. Um, 30 people can also perform or sing at places of worship uh, and uh, cinemas are operating at 100% capacity. Um, and that looking at Wednesday, March 17, uh, that – Patrons are going to be able to, provide it all goes well, stand up at indoor venues. Standing up at indoor venues doesn't necessarily equal dancing, uh, which is what we're what we're asking for. We did get that sweet taste of it, that sweet taste back back last year. Oh, was, last year, I barely got a taste. It was just a little sip. It was more I could smell it. Yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I could smell the coffee being made. But by the time I was ready to drink it, it had gone stale, and then we have to go back to waiting for a fresh coffee to be brewed. Yeah, yeah, and it takes months by the looks of it. Yeah, um, it's so, a slow coffee joint, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. um, so we have had, you know, a, a quite a good run uh, recently. Uh, we're into the 40-something day, I think, without a new locally transmitted case, I believe. Um, so based on these these indications we're getting from the Premier, March 17th is a date to watch. That's just over two weeks away doesn't we don't know if that's going to equal dancing but surely surely an open dance floor is on the horizon you'd think so and your knees and and your calves and your legs they've been resting for long enough <laughs> so when they reopen i i would really hope everyone like injures themselves cuz they're that excited i was going to say or you could be too rested that your muscles are not prepared and they're not ready you know you might be a regular dancer on the yeah. dance floor and you've been away from the game for so long you know like an old veteran returning to a sport yeah and then they do the hammy in the first couple of minutes yeah so perhaps you need to get on youtube and just kind of work out like some yoga yeah. and then like a, a, a stretching routine every day or just dance at home or that or that too get you get your preparation in you can have 50 people dancing at your home <laughs> Just food for thought. Yeah. You know, actually, while we're talking about the weddings and like the restrictions on it, we were told you can't walk around with a drink in your hand. You can walk, obviously, from the bar to your seat, but you had to remain seated whilst having your drink. Yeah, this one I have not ever understood. So it's like you can stand up without a drink, 
but and socialise, but when you're drinking, you can't. What does the what does the drink have to do with it? I don't know. If you're sharing a drink, it would make sense. Yeah, but, but you, then you just say, "Well, don't share your drink." But you could share a drink at a table. You know, I, I could share a drink from my seat. Out of a jug? Oh, you maybe you could. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it doesn't, it doesn't mean it over, why you, you know? can't stand yeah. up and walk around. Yeah. I don't know. Some of these restrictions, there could be a reason for it that we're just not intelligent enough to figure out. We, we just or, didn't look it up like yeah, everything. Like normal. But one thing we did look up. I was going to do the exact same segue. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, thunder stealing. No, go for it. Um, is a, a, On a, a, a proposition. Yeah, we are. We are. Uh, it's something that uh, we've, we've kind of explored on the Music News before some, you know, like obviously this kind of crisis bears with it the necessity to invent new things and uh, how the music industry has responded to this in its attempts to get gigs going, venues operating, festivals happening. I mean, we've seen rotating stages. We've seen yeah. uh, people uh, kind of segregated to groups of 10 in like little boxing ring looking things at gigs. We've seen all these different types of things going on. One thing that we're going to have to look at moving into the future as gigs do return is kind of a way of tracking the health of individuals as they move between gigs, uh, both where they've been and and then the venue holders being able to have the, the confidence to let them in. Yeah, I will say New South Wales has been very good with their contract tracing. And I know the government are always pushing about how fantastic their contract tracing is, but when you... When you compare that to other states or other places around the world as well, Mm. you have to say the New South Wales Health or the app, the, I forget what it's called, the New South Uh, Wales. Bloody services. That's it. I was like, it's got your license on it. It's got everything. Um, It's a very easy check-in. And I like the fact that they added forgot to check out because I forgot to check out so many times. But you can now go in and then select the time that you left. That you left. Yeah, so it's still an accurate thing as opposed to getting home and then 20 minutes later checking out. Yeah. You can be like, actually, I, I, I left 20 minutes ago. So it's a much more accurate period. And the whole, you know, throughout this whole pandemic, I do think the New South Wales Health app has been fantastic. Yeah, we, we, we have done very, very well in this state. Um, and what we're looking at in the UK now, uh, a London-based startup called UCheck has kind of developed this software that very similar to the way Service New South Wales works, but with this music focus. Um, it looks to use track and trace software um, to 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 and and health records of individuals, uh, specifically their last result for a COVID death and presumably vaccination as well, um, mm. to give you a one-stop shop when you're going to and from venues for both the person at the door and the patron to be able to exchange details and, and figure out, you know, whether or not they can come into the venue. And I think you'd feel a lot safer too. Like if you know you've done all the right things and you have to, you know, either have the vaccination or have a negative test and, you know, you, you all your whereabouts are being traced, I would feel a lot safer going to that gig. And I feel like you'd probably get more patrons going. I think so, As yeah. well. So it's yeah. not only a way to help ensure that the spread of COVID is reduced. It's also a, perhaps a way to entice more patrons to turn up at these venues. Yeah, definitely. It, w- it would, yeah, it would encourage confidence the whole way through. And, you know, it, would, it wouldn't be foolproof. Nothing really is, but I, I'm sure it would definitely shore up. You know, y- you're not going to end up in a situation where one live gig has four people who are potentially infectious in it, say, um, that are just spreading around a place because it's on the ball like that. And I also, something I haven't actually mentioned in a long time was that German study. 
in Leipzig, I believe yes. it was, that sort of said that the spread indoors at these sort of events aren't actually as drastic as we feared. No. But this study came out probably five months ago. Yeah, this was fascinating. And to be honest with you, you didn't get a whole lot of media coverage. But what they found is that provided you follow precautions like regular hand washing, I think masks were involved, um, and social distancing, you can have a gig indoors and there isn't that great a risk of spread. Uh, which is good because, you know, previously we had thought, you know, that's a definite no-go zone. Now we have some data to, to prove otherwise and it was important. Well, we've had that data for five months and we still haven't, can't even stand up inside. I think that comes down to insurance more than anything, Every, like we yeah. spoke about with festivals. I mean, Probably does. They're, they're not willing to put themselves on the line. Unfortunately, there hasn't been any kind of scheme set up by government to kind of encourage, all right, we'll cover you if something goes wrong because your insurer won't, which they have done for other industries. Mm. Um, you know... The, the, the promoters and the venue uh, licensees and stuff like that, they're, they're not going to be confident enough to open that up when they could potentially be liable for a whole lot going wrong. Um, but this digital health passport, as it's been dubbed over in the UK, as I said, basically offers door staff a, a way to verify the punter's name, uh, their age, ticket, and prior test result. Presumably, they're going to add va- vaccination status. Uh, and, and it's also going to provide like this communication link between promoters and their audiences um, that is beyond just the ticket buyer. Uh, they've got a notification system that's going to work alongside track and tracing by connecting live music punters uh, to their accompanying test result data. So they must be link- interlinking, obviously, with the health system over there. Um, so it's an interesting you know, thing to consider how these things might look when we move on. And, and I'm sure provided this is successful, we're likely to see the platform or a similar platform expanded in use in Australia. The one concern, obviously, you would flag with something like this, and I suppose you'd have to see what the go is, is when a private company's linking up with public health data, you know, and then mm. monetizing that and profiting of it, it can get problematic with where that data goes and who has access to that data and whether or not they should be making huge profits off of the back of it. Uh, but they're, you know, they're things that you'd have to do a bit of digging in and have a look at. Yeah, and... I think too, it it seems like it, it's for a good cause, at least from our perspective. Obviously, being you know music lovers, and you know we love going to see live music. Like it, as you said, it could very well go badly. But I, I I would like to think that they're doing this so live music in in the UK can get underway, and it would be interesting to see something like that happened here. I mean, we know the governments. Suddenly very interested in the arts, perhaps yeah. they might like to link their Service New South Wales app to something like this. I mean, would they have to team up with a ticket tech or something like that to get the tickets on the app? I'm not too sure. So then again, you've got that whole corporate side coming in with the public health sector. But yeah, that side is quite interesting. Yeah. And it's a wait and see. It is a wait and see. And, you know, you, you do have to be conscious of your privacy, but we also hope at the same time that they, these kind of systems can work in non-invasive ways that do work. I mean, if you had one QR code, for example, that checked you in, gave the person at the door access to the the relevant information and confirmed all the details, you know, you just hand over one QR code on your phone, they scan that and you're in the door, that would be a very streamlined way to do it. So, Mm. yeah, hopefully as gigs do start to return, uh, we see something along these lines or something that makes it easiest for it to get there. The big winner of this pandemic is QR codes. (laughs) 
Previously irrelevant. <laughs> I remember when these first came out, like years ago, like over a decade ago, and it, everyone was like, oh, this will be the future's QR code. And then you'd see them on packaging and, and the occasional billboard, and you would never use it. I thought you needed an app. I didn't even know your phone could just well, do it. I, I feel like you did at that time. Yeah. And the only time I actually used a QR code was if I got like those 25-digit like voucher codes or I had the QR code next to it. Yep. I couldn't be bothered typing in that digit. So I just held the QR code up to the camera and it, you know, gave me my voucher for whatever it was. So, but now, like you mentioned, now it's just hold your camera up, bam. Although I had a, a Google phone and you had to go into like the Google lens. You couldn't just hold the camera up to it as is. You had to go uh, into the lens section. And I know, I mean, it, we're getting a little bit off topic, I think, but with the whole digitizing of the check-in there were no paper like paper sign-in sheets anymore a lot of the the older generation who might not have had a smartphone were finding they couldn't actually sign in to go places yeah i did see this and i did think it was problematic in that you know if a place isn't offering a, a handwritten sign-in function and people who are pri super privacy conscious uh, with their online stuff might just want to sign in by hand anyway, and that's fair enough. But that when you're removing that option, there are a lot of people who might not, you know, maybe they don't have the dexterity in their fingers even to be able to quickly type in that kind of stuff or pull their phone up. And we do need to make sure we're offering for everybody, mm -hmm. you know, not just those who can use a smartphone easily and quickly. What I will say, though, it is super easy to check in. Once you save your details once, it is so quick to check in everywhere you go. Yeah. So there's really no excuse not to check in unless your phone's dead or you left it at home. Yep. But how often are you going to leave you? How often is your phone dead during the day or you left it at home? <laughs> Let's very, be usually real. Usually most people are in a crisis if that <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 